Welcome to Wireless Water Cooler, a special Tower Talk segment. Join Inside Towers Managing Editor Jim Fryer and Wireless Infrastructure Association President and CEO Jonathan Adelstein for some good old water cooler conversation about what's happening in the wireless infrastructure world. And here are your hosts. Uh, welcome to the Wireless Water Cooler. I'm Jim Fryer, Managing Editor of Inside Towers, with my co-host Jonathan Adelstein, President and CEO of WIA. Jonathan, welcome. Well, Jim, great to be doing this again. We have a, some special guests today, so I'm looking forward to getting going. We do. We flew them in at no expense, and uh, glad to have them. <laughs> now, a lot has happened in the past month since the last wireless water cooler. That's one great thing about this industry is uh, we don't have to worry about the doldrums of you know nothing happening in between. And one of the big things that has happened was the recent uh, announcement agreement on, on wireless infrastructure by Advisory Council of Historic Preservation, SHPO, that Commissioner Carr got through. And uh, tell us about that. What, how does that expedite things? How does that ease the build-out? Well, you're right, Jay. We had a big breakthrough at the FCC. We've been working on years to get this done. Essentially, the FCC and the Historic Preservation Agencies agreed to revise an earlier agreement to uh, exempt compound expansions of up to 30 feet from historic uh, review. So you get an automatic exemption anytime you need to put in a new generator, you got a co-location. Uh, it used to be only applied to drop and swap. So it was kind of an anomaly in the rules where if you wanted to replace a tower, you could go out by 30 feet without historic review. But if you just wanted to add a new tenant for a backup generator, in the future it might be an edge data center, you would have to go through this historic review process. The FCC worked diligently, and we've been working with them for years to try to get this fixed. And finally, we got it done. The FCC had to get new personnel on the American Council of Historic Preservation, which was essentially through the White House. I mean, they've been having to change out the, the votes there to make sure that they could get the support they needed to get this done. And lo and behold, now we have an agreement that there's no federal review. Now we have an NPRM, a notice of rulemaking at the FCC that comments are, are being considered right now to exempt it from local review as well. Under section 6409, if you could go up to 30 feet, it would be considered a non-substantial change. So essentially be automatic approval after you get all your permits, whatever you need done, no more zoning. So everybody owns a tower in this country is going to be able to expand it by 30 feet basically uh, by right, any any compound that you have. So I think this is pretty great for anybody who wants to you know, put 5G equipment in, make sure that it has backup generators. Essentially, you can take your existing assets and generate more revenue without having to go through all that local hassle. Well, I was, I was gonna say that I've, I've heard that this encourages co-location, but I wasn't quite connecting the dots there. How does that facilitate co-location? Well, you know, the, like I say, you can be a drop and swap uh, with 30 feet, but now if you want to co-locate, you can do it without having to actually take out the tower and put in a replacement tower. So say you have a new tenant coming in, but you need to put some more equipment on the ground in order to accommodate their, their base station. You would have the ability to do that uh, without any uh, historic review. And hopefully once the NPRM is done without any local review either, the same thing would go for any other equipment you need to put in there that you want to co-locate. Um, you know, say in the future, we're going to have this mobile edge computing and what better location than the tower compound to put in 
uh, edge data center and all the equipment that's needed for that. Now you can do that without having to go through a historic review. Hopefully if the FCC approves the notice without a local review, you just get 30 feet added if you have control over it. I mean, of course you have to have either ownership or, or, or rights or negotiate rights to do that, but at least you don't have to negotiate that with the localities or with the feds. Well, kudos to the FCC for uh, once again, pushing the envelope and, and uh, helping get things expedited. Congratulations to them. And hopefully it's, it's going to be uh, put to put to good use and help speed things up. Yeah. We can't be uh, more grateful to the FCC and commissioner Carr's leadership. Commissioner Riley was involved in this. The chairman really been pushing uh, hard for a long time. And we've done a lot of work behind the scenes at WIA. I got to say kudos to our team as well for helping to manage that. And it's nice to see all those years of effort come to fruition. Well, not only has the FCC been busy, uh, and you guys have been busy uh, as well. With uh, You have a, a ConnectX going on right now, do you not? Yeah, we keep rolling out new content, and, and we did that again uh, this week. We rolled out uh, some new keynotes with Jack Waters from Zayo and Chris Sharp from Digital Realty, who's the CTO there, basically talking about small cells. We're talking about fiber. We're talking about uh, data centers. And we're talking about ORAN and, and CRAN and DRAN and what, what's going on with, uh, with CBRS, all kinds of new uh, information for people in the industry to get sort of cutting edge information they can use to build their business, to see where the industry's headed and to get ready for the next stage of development of our industry. We want to make sure that we have all this access for free for our industry so that we're moving together, even though we can't meet together like we did and we couldn't do the advantage we had planned in, in Miami, we're continuing to roll out new information for the industry to keep everybody on the cutting edge. I mean, how are we going to get all that accomplished? We're going to need more people, right? Well, absolutely, Jim. I mean, you know, we need to make sure that we have the workforce ready for that. And, and that's why I'm so excited. We have uh, two of the biggest leaders that have been on the forefront of workforce development for the wireless industry. Leticia Latino, who not only uh, heads Neptuno, but she also is the head of the Broadband Deployment Advisory Committee. The FCC appointed her as chairing the working group on, on workforce development. And Adria Horn from Tilson, who's been really one of the driving forces in apprenticeship uh, through, through Tilson's effort on, on safety and training internally, they've been uh, cutting edge with the telecommunications industry registered apprenticeship program. So Leticia and, and Adria, thanks for joining us. Welcome ladies. Thank you. Thank you I'm excited us. to be here. Well, maybe, maybe Leticia, you could tell us a bit about your, your, your business and, and also what's going on at the BDAC. Give us a little introduction. What's happening? Well, first of all, thank you for having me and uh, congratulations on this podcast. I think it's a fantastic initiative. I think uh, this is exactly what the industry needs to uh, put the word out there for the subjects that are relevant to us. So, um, you know, as, as, as you uh, mentioned, uh, I'm the CEO of Neptuno. We have designed, manufactured and engineered towers for over 50 years and built over 10,000 sites across the Americas. And uh, yeah, I'm very uh, excited to, to be involved in the workforce development um, working group uh, over at the BDAC. And I think this is a subject that is so important right now, as you said, as we build more as the um, FCC become, you know, through its leadership and WIA also, and, and all the trade associations are pushing forward, accelerating 5G um, rollout. 
Uh, we need to think about where are the people that are going to get this done and also ensuring that those people that join our workforce or are in our workforce have a clear career path, you know, something that they can uh, rely on the, throughout their life. At, uh, over at the BDAC, uh, we, uh, in our working group, we're going to present recommendations very soon, uh, probably in the next couple of months, of how we see we can uh, bridge that uh, skill gap that we're currently having in our workforce. So these are exciting times and a lot of uh, um, amazing executives in the industry are putting their heads together to find the best recommendations. Wonderful. Adria, tell us about what's happening at Tilson and, and what you're doing there. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, I think this is, again, you know, a topic that's near and dear to everyone's hearts. And, uh, and certainly more so with COVID now, this is, uh, I think we talked about broadband infrastructure and like the development of the access and capability that people simply need. We're all sort of in the thick of it now. Um, so at Tilson, um, we have been really busy on a couple different fronts. I would say, um, I know that you had mentioned we have a uh, a prominent TIRAP program, the Telecommunications Industry Register Apprenticeship Program, which um, we have really stepped up our opportunity through TIRAP to connect with people who would otherwise not have any experience in the industry. And I think that's the whole point. You don't need to have experience doing this in order to come in. We will help you and we will help you in a way that teaches you a consistent base and the safest uh, method possible to do this very dangerous job. Um, and I think it's been, um, it's been really a draw for us. It's been a recruiting draw more than we, I think, had originally expected. So it's been nice to talk to tower climbers and tower technicians from across the country who are looking for that consistency. They're looking for some more thought leadership. They want to progress in the business and they also want to um, they also want to have something with like a curriculum to train others on. Um, it's been really wonderful to watch and it's had an incredible benefit, I would say, specifically to morale in the company um, because there's a path in front of them. There's a goal. Uh, we promote people after they finish the program. They get a raise after it. They get a beautiful, shiny certificate from the Department of Labor. Um, that is frameworthy. And I think I, I'm, I don't want to um, dismiss that point of value because I think in the industry, everybody is moving so fast and actually taking time to train and then complete something and have a goal at the end while you are moving so fast is an important opportunity to pause and actually reflect on the accomplishments that you've achieved. Um, so we've actually seen a morale boost um, in our tower climbers, which has been really exciting. That's so great to hear. I mean, a lot of folks can benefit from that. And I think they will. Thanks to your leadership, you're kind of pioneering the way. But maybe stepping back a bit, let's talk about the bigger context of what the state of the workforce is today in the industry. You mentioned uh, the whole pandemic going on, and yet work is going forward. Maybe it's slowed down a little bit, but we're continuing to build out. We have 5G ahead of us. They're still building out 4G. The merger is finally approved, so the game is on with uh, – with T-Mobile and with, with DISH, uh, what, what are you seeing the state of the workforce today? Is there a big demand uh, going on now? Or are we meeting demand? Well, how do you kind of see it? Maybe Leticia, if you could start. 
Yeah, I think um, I'm aligned with you um, in what you said that the work is there. Um, I think one of the exciting things that happened in, in early in March is that we were officially recognized as an industry as an essential uh, essential workers. We were given that name, which we kind of know, but you know, I, I, it's good for others to know. And I think part of the problem is that that the work is there. Workers that are willing to do the work are there too, but now the timing of everything has to align. And unfortunately, I think the COVID situation and the pandemic, although the work is there, we have experienced a little bit of, I wouldn't say a slowdown, but a shuffling of how things are happening. Um, you know, some customers putting some things on hold and accelerating on other projects that maybe were not as a priority before. So I think right now it's, it's all, uh, we are all scrambling, to be honest with you, but I think it's a perfect time, perfect time to push, as Adrian saying, um, like Tyrep and apprenticeship. And there are people that are making big career moves because they were left without a job. And so I think this is an opportunity for, for companies like, you know, Adrius and, and ours to really go and recruit and, and raise uh, awareness about uh, the importance of our industry and that the, job, the jobs and the work is still there. We haven't seen that it's going away. It's just maybe uh, changing a little bit in terms of the urgency and, and how it happens. Adrian, what do you see? Yeah, I would, um, I would completely agree with Letitia's assessment of that. Um, we're seeing the same things. So uh, work hasn't necessarily slowed down, but there's definitely a shuffling. And, um, uh, and I would say that that has affected our current workforce in a couple different ways. Uh, we've, had to, uh, we've had to do some reassignments, I would say. Uh, where maybe something slowed down in a certain area and we don't necessarily know if it's going to pick back up. And so we really look, Tilson, I think specifically, um, looks for ways to retain its current workforce as much as possible and reassign people who are open and willing to, to do that. And I would say the caveat is location. So tra traveling if you're an essential worker in the position has been really um, important and has been you know, essential travel. But if you're in a work from home environment, then your opportunities to actually get reassigned perhaps are now increased than they were even six months ago. And so though external candidates, which I think Letitia talked about, are making, uh, considering making major career moves at this point, trying to get in a different industry, you know, maybe, maybe now trying to follow the passion that they weren't choosing before or looking for additional education. I mean, typically every time there's a drop in employment, you know, um, degree program enrollments go way up because people look for opportunities to get new education. We're seeing those people interested in Tilson. We're also seeing people who would otherwise be in their minds stuck on the location considering Tilson as an opportunity to, to search and look for a job that's available where they probably wouldn't have before. So our, uh, our office is headquartered in Maine, though we have uh, 20 offices around the country, our office is headquartered in Maine and we are very sort of Maine-based at the heart. Not everybody knows Maine or wants to know Maine because they think it's really, really cold. And uh, that's kind of where the conversation ends, even though it's amazing and, um, you know, we're not going to sell people on that because they think snow and they don't know snow and they don't want to be a snow, even if they're not going to work there. I will say we have a lot of people who are now considering uh, positions who would otherwise be senior leaders or critical 
um, project managers applying for jobs that would be based in Maine because everything is virtual. And I am thrilled at the increased quality of candidate, the diversity uh, pool that we have gotten because of this pandemic has really grown. Maine is a very, um, I will say a very white state. I mean, that is, that is normal and known. And so people think uh, there isn't diversity in Maine and it's really cold. Um, so these sort of, these sort of um, thoughts really permeate and they make people make other choices. So even though the company itself might be a cultural fit, they're not going to consider even applying and we're getting those candidates now, which I think is, I think is a game changer across the country and across the industry. I think if, if companies now can see where the talent pool is, has broadened, the opportunities to get a totally different workforce with more strengths than you have weaknesses across the entire diverse workforce you have, it's gonna be, um, it's just gonna ratchet up the, the skill set of everyone else around you. Do people not know about the lobster rolls? I mean, those are delicious. Right, that's how I feel about it too. Blueberries, maple syrup, lobster rolls, whatever. <laughs> well, with all that dynamic activity, you're, you're, you're shifting things around, you're, uh, really doing a lot of work while this is going on. Are you able to keep um, the training and workforce development efforts in your own companies moving forward at the same time? What are you doing to get the workforce developed while all this change is happening? Well, we're in an interesting situation because as, as you know, and as I've shared, we're predominantly an international company. And although we've been incorporated in the States for almost 20 years, we really never focus uh, to get a lot of work out of the US until recently, five years ago, where I made the company a women-owned company. And that created you know, a whole uh, different dynamics also because we wanna push uh, diversity in the telecom industry. And uh, so we've always trained our people in-house, like, because we have, uh, you know, this long trajectory. But as I learned, as I've learned in these past years and all the interaction uh, with WIA, Jonathan, and, and now at the BDAC, there are so many platforms that this country has in place to promote education, to promote giving that shiny certificate that Adria uh, is talking about, that people don't know about it. And honestly, it has been a great learning experience for us as Neptuno to learn about this platform, to learn about Tyrep uh, and, and other associations doing an amazing job. And our experience has been not too many companies know about it. A lot of them, and you guys have done a fantastic job putting the word out there, but this is a big industry and it's a big country. So we are certainly for training uh, our workforce. We are now looking at into those platforms. I mean, the the Tyrop apprenticeship programs. I think it has nine certi you know certifiable occupations already, and uh, that's fantastic because you don't have to reinvent the wheel and 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 develop your own curriculum and go through all that hassle. And so that's really where our efforts have been right now is in embracing the platforms that are in place. Uh, to to be able to improve our hiring and train people. Adrian, what are you what are you doing at Tilson? You mentioned <clears throat> Tyrap. Is that uh, still moving ahead? How's that being influenced? Yeah, yeah. Tyrap has not stopped at all. Um, I know that we have um, we we pretty remain steady at around eighty 
um, registered applicants who are sort of moving through the process at any given time, we're always hiring in those positions. So we, I would say we have a steady increase um, or new candidates, those who are moving out, those who are becoming mentors. We really have a pretty steady flow of that and that has not stopped in this period. Um, uh, two things I think are important to mention. Uh, one is that uh, in Maine in particular in January, uh, we became a founding employer partner with uh, a new New England um, affiliate of Northeastern University called the Rue Institute. And so uh, David Rue, who's an investor uh, and philanthropist, uh, really thought that Maine in particular didn't have um, sort of, it really kind of had a brain drain. Younger folks were leaving Maine. They were going to Washington, D.C. They were going to other cities. They were looking for other graduate schools. So uh, Northeastern became their school of choice to partner on some very specific uh, core curriculum, graduate certificate, and graduate degree programs in data analytics, computer science, uh, other types of um, hard uh, technical skills that are not available um, in, in the region. So that was really important to us. So we became a founding employer partner. It, it's for everybody in the entire company, whether they're in California or Alabama, but it's our relationship is based with this um, organization here. And so we, uh, next week, actually will kick off our first uh, custom 12 week course in program management and project management for uh, an initial cohort and we'll continue developing those very specific in-house training programs to develop the next level of leaders in our company. I'm really excited about that. I think the second thing I wanted to share was that, um, you know, COVID has created to a little bit of what Leticia was talking about, but the platforms that are available in the country, those are now more available than ever before. And those are now, on, I think, more of an option than ever before because more people are sitting in front of their computer. So I, instead of thinking I'm traveling this week, I'm actually not traveling this week anymore. And I now have five more hours where I could be online potentially and actually uh, take that time to do uh, a technical course or do something else. And the ability to do it at your own pace in your own house, um, makes it easier and more cost-effective for companies to continue and perhaps choosing to invest where they hadn't before because the compounding travel restrictions, the compounding other things, I can't have you do work and do training at the same time. I feel like the, this has also been a game changer for us where we're really able to leverage that investment now more than we've ever done. Well, we're certainly seeing that through uh, our telecommunications education center. WA offers its own online training programs and we're seeing companies take advantage, as you said, of the fact that folks are at home, that less travel. This is an opportunity to basically bone up on, on your skills, bone up on broader uh, knowledge of the industry, 5G 101, wireless 101. Folks have been in this industry for a long time. A lot of times they never studied the basics of, of frequency propagation or RF. And uh, we're finding companies really value that. But rather than just talk about what we see, how do you kind of see, maybe we'll wrap up with uh, your thoughts on what kind of ROI you're seeing on your own training efforts internally and why do you see it as valuable to invest in workforce development for, for your business? 
Well, we uh, have been lucky again because we are a family-owned business. Uh, we have a lot of our crews have been, you know, we are almost a third generation in some cases where the grandfather worked at, uh, as a tower climber in our company and started when my father first started the company. But as we grow, uh, we want to translate part of the culture of the company. And it's really about the worker. We The training component is very important. I think that you highlight that you're giving them an asset, that you're giving them something that's going to stay with them no matter what. Hopefully, they want to stay in the company. You have to create the culture of the company where they want to stay with you and they become loyal to you. Because part of the, of the skills gap is coming from a very competitive uh, industry where workers are willing to leave their jobs for $1 more an hour. And so we have to make sure that we include other components and the, and the fact that um, we create curriculum. So where we're investing is to try to show them where the path is, that how we're working and that you are in this for the long run, not just when there's a 5G spike and we need you, we're gonna use you and then you're on your life and you don't, now don't know what to do. We wanna show them that this is for life and you're in, uh, in the ride with us. And so that's what we're trying to put a lot of the attention on and try to, to create a more solid offering for, for the workers we want to bring in. Adrian, we'll give you the last word here. Yeah, uh, Leticia, I think made some excellent points there, um, is that this is a mind shift that we're really trying to ask our employees to make and that we're trying to make as well. Uh, you know, we have, we've been around, Tilson's been around for, um, uh, 24 years, but our our footprint in the industry as we know it today has really only been in the past eight or nine years. And so we don't have third generation people, but we aspire to have third generation um, people. And you have to create that. You really have to create that. And there's no time like the present. And I think um, making it an opportunity cost uh, and explaining the long-term benefit to somebody now and actually showing them what it is going to uh, turn into. I know just having the conversation now has actually been of value because I don't, I think it's a real mentoring piece. I would actually say that the ROI has been, um, uh, you know, 50, 50 on sort of the technical education piece. And then the concept that you are now, a valued member that if we are willing to invest in and we see you in a place that is going to benefit other people in the future. We want you to see yourself that way too. And so the ROI is uh, a value based on the education and it's also making the individual who is probably more isolated today than ever before feel more connected to their company because that is also a very vulnerable spot in our world today. And the thought of unemployment or the thought of I'm being invested in in my current employment is a real game changer for somebody deciding to stay, making a commitment, and then delivering that to the next generation of hopefully future leaders in your own, in your own organization. Well, that's what apprenticeship is all about. And you're uh, really pioneering that, that mentoring, that role model for somebody yeah. to more quickly grow. But I think you're both role models in so many ways for the industries, your companies, you yourselves personally have been on the cutting edge of this, showing the way for others to really make this industry more diverse, more professional, 
uh, and a, a great place to work uh, and, and succeed. And your business's success, I think, are a tribute to that. So thanks for joining us today. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you, ladies. Yeah, I, I learned a lot, and I'm, I'm sure our, our listeners did as well. Well, Jonathan, I can't wait till a month from now to see see what happens between now and then. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot going on. We're going to keep plugging forward, but uh, with, with folks like this, this industry is going to keep moving ahead. Never a dull moment in our industry. And and the, the again, the ConnectX thing is is live right now. That's right. It's free. It's live. ConnectX All Access. Uh, there's a lot of great uh, learning opportunities there for people. If uh, you have a few moments, it's certainly going to have good ROI for, for you and your business. Great. Well, be sure to jump on that. And we will see you again in a month from now at the Wireless Water Cooler. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.